0: Bienvenidos, that's California for welcome to this fantastic December 6th edition of National Reviews Radio Free California Podcast. I'm Will Swain, President of the California Policy Center. You can find my colleagues and me at californiapolicycenter.org. You can find my friend and co-host David Bonson right here. He's an economist and author, the host of the Capital Record Podcast, and the founder of the eponymous investment firm, the Bonson Group. Hello, David.
1: Hello, Will. How are you?
0: (laughs) Uh, Is this an SNL skit?
1: You know what's funny? I uh, did a PBS appearance. When did we take that, Brian? Two days ago, yesterday? Yeah, um, and it doesn't air till this weekend, but it's like a local PBS thing, I think in (laughs) Kentucky or something. And while I was recording, I felt like I was doing the whole Sunday Live deal and. And I didn't say some of the the great yeah sweaty sh- sh- sweaty but I <laughs> but uh, I was thinking it so
0: <laughs> and how misshapen um, yes so hey David I just wanted to uh, start off with a quick news story and then I want to get to. Um, We've been a bit of history, and then I want to get your review of last Thursday's debate between Ron DeSantis and Governor Gavin Newsom. But let's start first with the uh, the kind of the news hook here on a history piece. The governor has announced that he will not hold public capital Christmas tree lighting this year. Uh, that's a, um, that's the first time in 93 years the Christmas tree at the Capitol will not be lit. It was lit for the first time in 1931, but more on that in just a sec. Uh, he says, the governor does, as we continue to see protests across the country impacting the safety of events of all scales. And for the safety and security of all participating members and guests, including children and families, this ceremony this year will be virtual. Sounds like COVID time. The program is unchanged. The viewers can tune in Wednesday evening. That's the night to watch this year's festivities. Uh, there were comments but here. Does,
1: is he referring to the the uh, Palestinian protest?
0: Yes. That This is what's fascinating wait, 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 what? to me. What? Yeah.
1: So is he saying that because... They'll come and protest if we light the tree, or what's the connection? Yes,
0: the connection is if you light this tree publicly, and hundreds, thousands of people typically show up for that. It's usually a really lovely event. Uh, that many people go. Oh yeah, it's it's a well attended event. It's it's pretty big. It's right down outside the Capitol. It's a it is big, and um, but yes, he is
1: speaking. They're worried about maybe a terrorist act. They're worried. It about sounds like he's doing a little Islamophobia.
0: He's doing a little Islamophobia, but you'll notice he does not mention who it is who is going to be protesting in such a way. Oh, so it could be like
1: the Sierra Club. Well, or or the uh, Australians united against uh, crypto anarchy could be far right any, wing, right, uh, British,
0: any, yeah, or Irish, yeah, absolutely. But wouldn't
1: that be then a case to just not have any public assemblies right now? Until I
0: think that is a logical extension. Like, What of if that? Newsom
1: came out and said, "Nobody get together until those, you know, towel heads yes. stop doing"? Th- I mean, that's basically yeah, what he's saying. That is what he's saying. Quick note: that wasn't
0: me saying it. You were quoting, Qu- summarizing a hypothetical the hypothetical governor, hy- right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, although it no, will be... I mean, I've, you know... It'll be, uh, <laughs> it'll be... It'll be clipped and edited, and you will be saying death to every palace. I mean, right? So, um, but here it is. Uh, good old Ashley Zavala, who, if you don't know her, Zavala, Ashley Zavala, a reporter who's now at KCRA. That's the Sacramento TV station. I think one of the best reporters in California. Just a phenomenal reporter.
1: We have breaking news.
0: Oh, go. Kevin McCarthy just announced
1: he's not going to run for house. Oh, my gosh. The former uh, Just five minutes ago, the Speaker of the House is now not going to run for re-election in Does it the great city of Bakersfield.
0: Why From having
1: it. been elected to the seat Congress I couldn't get an internship for, to having served as the 55th Speaker of the House, I look back on my journey in Congress and say, only in America. These past 17 years have been my greatest honor, and I want to thank you to you for support over the years. We have a lot to be proud of, but now it's time for me to take on a new chapter hmm. while I'll be departing the house at the end of the year. I'll never give up fighting for this country. Uh, he has an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal. So, I didn't want to interrupt I your flow. No, Let's get back big. to that, because I think we need to discuss that. We can do it now if you want, but I don't want to take you off your flow. Well, then you go ahead. We'll come back to Gavin A, a lot Christmas of listeners note that when we're doing history, that's where you're at your best. You're most animated. <laughs> <laughs> and i we've had like what five emails lately with people asking what's up with Sutter yeah. yeah
0: yeah
1: um so i do i don't know what to say about it i assume that he's legit like that's probably the reason they're doing it i don't think it's like some anti-christian thing or anti-christmas thing but it is kind of odd now i wonder if they were like thinking covid
0: like that's that's not it well. and again, this could just be the framing of Ashley Zavala's fantastic story. She quotes to she really indicates that that the the anxiety here is quite clearly about pro-Hamas, pro-Palestinian, anti-Israeli stuff. And she ends her piece with quotes from uh, activists. Uh, She writes, Newsom's announcement comes as the Sacramento Regional Coalition for Palestinian Rights said it planned a rally in March to the state capitol Tuesday night to call for a ceasefire in the war between Israel and Hamas. In an advisory to KCRA3, the group said it wanted to, quote, out Governor Gavin Newsom for hiding from the public because he doesn't want to face their anger at his shameful stance in regard to the genocide genocide in gaza governor newsom decided no mention of the genocide that occurred on uh, october the 7th but that's i guess distracting isn't it governor newsom another person yassar dabur of sacramento regional coalition for palestinian rights uh, says Governor Newsom decided to cancel the tree lighting ceremony rather than face the public that is enraged by his shameful silence on the genocide in Gaza. This certainly doesn't add up with his past tan- stance with Native Americans. So we've Wait, got. We're, what? Yeah, we're all over now with. Um, I think what this person is trying to say is. This that,
1: guy used to be for the Native Americans, but now he's not for Hamas.
0: Yes, there is a yes this is a problem this you know a, who probably and i'm just spitballing here
1: <laughs> doesn't want this guy out associating them together hey, who would be the native americans yeah, i would mean,
0: imagine the native americans are a little upset That's about being contrasted with hamas
1: like like you know i'm a, I'm a pro hamas guy you know me hamas uh, al-qaeda the native american yeah. indians like we're <laughs> yeah. all in this together <laughs> you can imagine it's like that old
0: joke about uh you know who who you calling uh who you calling Kemosabi there Kemosabi. um yeah so well, i'm sorry this,
1: they're not gonna light the tree in front of everyone and i, I wish i kind of knew better what was really going on there but
0: well it, it's it's fairly clear you've got the chp blocking off the capital in this story because they're concerned about attacks on the capital so I think there was a piece in the National Review yesterday, the day before, in which they said, you know, uh, the Democrats, it used to be that Republicans could faithfully, you know, a year or two ago, everyone, everyone, quote unquote, knew Republicans were violent, the January 6th uh, capital assault. This same story pointed out, man. All the violence now <laughs> appears to be on the other side, and the CHP having to shut down the Capitol because they're afraid of a you know an absolute assault on the Capitol. We saw what happened with the Democratic Party being shut, their convention being shut down a week ago, two weeks ago now, um, because of Palestinian ri- pro-Palestinian rioters. Um, or let's call them anti-Semitic rioters. <clears throat> so we've got that going on, and and what's fascinating, I, I did mention this just a second ago. The first time the tree was lit in the Capitol was 1931 in December. And the governor then was a Republican named James Sonny Jim Rolfe. You gotta love that name, right? 1931 and your Sunny Jim. I like it. He was the former mayor, longest-serving mayor of San Francisco, 19 years in San Francisco. And um, yeah, one of the things that I love about history, David, is that it reminds us that it is ever thus. So when I hear people say, "Oh my gosh, it's more violent than ever," and we're this this country is topsy turvy and it's never been this crazy, uh, Sunny Jim in 1916, while leading a parade as the mayor of San Francisco for on what's called Preparedness Day in 1916. That is, let's get prepared for World War. One, and you've got all the unions out there who are part of the international socialist movement. Um, you know, not yet a Bolshevik revolution in Russia, of course, but you've got these really radical unions, especially down at the waterfront. Somebody sets off a bomb and oh. kills forty people during a parade mm-hmm. in San Francisco. That was the unions. An That's anti-union your unions are, or a pro-union? Well, the the march itself was saying like, look, you know, we don't care about what the unions want. We're here to prepare to defend America and democracy, et cetera. It's very kind of you know, everyone from Wilson uh, Woodrow Wilson uh, in the White House out to Sonny Jim, a Republican in San Francisco, is saying like, we got to go join this fight. We got to you know stop the evil Hun. Mm-hmm. Well the unions don't want this. You know, they they pitch this as, you know, classic Marxist class war. It's the, you know, the poor who will die. It's, you know, just to serve the interests of the capitalists, the uh, merchants of death. And so um it is it, it is not clear at least in my my recollection. It's never been clear precisely who set off the bomb, but the unions were protesting it, refused to allow their members to march. They decried it as, you know, international capital crushing the working And this men. was the 30s? No, this is 1916 when Sonny Jim is not yet oh, governor. Oh,
1: we're not even there yet.
0: Yeah, this is uh, when Sonny Jim is still the. Well, you know, uh, the mayor back
1: then I thought a lot of domestic terrorism was the anarchists.
0: It, well, there were the anarchists, the Wobblies. They were sometimes called International mm-hmm. Workers of the World, and then you had the Marxists, and you know you've you've got and guys. the union cause. Then would have been much was would have been pretty tight with the Marxists. Yes. Yeah. It was just, some general workers' rights, proletariat. Yeah. You know. yeah. It, it's very uh, – the guys who were leading the unions in San Francisco at the time of sunny Jim's. Uh, and back
1: then, the workers were concerned because they were being asked to work 20 hours a day in factories and dying to death of smoke inhalation and given no breaks. And uh, the children were forced to work. And then today, it's very, very similar. The yeah. Unions, no change. They, they have not gotten any um, yoga hour.
0: No, prog- no no progress at all since then, right?
1: And, and uh, the actually, the espresso bar – Just ran out of some of the
0: biscuits. That That tears it. I'm done. Yeah, let's go out in the streets and riot. So um, back to Sonny Jim. Uh, He is a guy who comes up through the business class. He's elected governor in 1930, um, and it's not his only nickname, Sonny Jim. He became known as Governor Lynch because uh, he publicly praised the people of San Jose uh, following the November 1933 lynching of a confessed kidnapper murderer of a a young man, an heir to the local department store uh, chain. Uh, and he pr- promised to uh, pardon anybody who was involved in the lynching. It was a grotesque public lynching of the two guys who were hauled out of their jail in San Jose and strung up. Uh, and an L.A. radio station actually broadcast it live, their you know, video of a film. Uh, at the time of the thing. So um, then there was a, uh, a worker strike in in the San Joaquin Valley, and uh, good old Sonny Jim, or Governor Lynch, uh, as you prefer, stepped in and organized uh, an investigation into it to try to take testimony from those who took place in the thing to try to figure out what was going on in the, in the San Joaquin Valley. And, of course, this is the time of, like, Mankiewicz and uh, Citizen Kane and this sort of thing that we've all become very familiar with because of local uh, recent cinematography. Um, America's mayor was uh, he was considered the 23rd best ever American big city mayor uh, ever. 23rd tw- best. 23rd best. By a big what, city by mayor. Who? Uh, political scientist Melvin G. Holly at mm. the University of Illinois Chicago, who did this big survey. Curiosity. of Who's scientists. number one on that list? You know what? I didn't read the entire book. I just read that in Wikipedia. You can learn so much. From and, and who's the author? Uh, Melvin G., like Gary, Holly, H-O-L-L-I. You're going to look this up for us. It's um, The American Mayor is the book. That came out in 1999. Um so one a couple of other quick things here on the uh, the Christmas tree. Uh, our governor Rolf appears as himself in a slim Somerville comedy short called Hello Frisco, and he dies early at age sixty four. David just like weeks older than I am. This is terrifying. And he is succeeded as governor by, uh, by the lieutenant governor Frank Merriam, who uh, quite prominent in his own right. But that's a story for another day. So this this lighting of the Capitol Christmas tree continues from nineteen thirty one. Do you want to see the name again? No, I got it. consider it continues from 1931 when uh, Governor Rolf, uh, Sonny Jim starts the uh, tree lighting ceremony and there's a lovely pictures around of his staff gathered around a tree inside the uh, the governor's office with like 30-foot ceilings and a massive tree that was hauled in from the Sierra Nevada I believe and um, and it continues apace until 1999 when good old Gray Davis, then governor decides that it can't be called a Christmas tree because that uh, excludes marginalized people and does not express the diversity of the entire state. Of california so he renames it uh, gray davis does the holiday tree schwarzenegger comes in governor uh, arnold comes in in 2004 and he says uh, can we just go back and call it a christmas tree because that's really kind of what it is and uh, and there you have it uh first time it will not be lit in public by the governor uh, i guess you could call streaming public but uh,
1: you think well there's <clears throat> any chance that there's a backlash and then he reverses
0: Uh, No, because I really do think there's a public safety anxiety. We're going to talk about this just a little bit this morning. I... I am just so frustrated, David, by the lack of clarity and precision in language and moralizing about what's going on in Israel and refusing to call out who's really to blame here. Uh, The whole, you know, on the one hand, on the other stuff, um, we have people saying, we have to really stop both uh, anti-Semitism and Islamophobia. And uh, I'm unaware of any events being closed down out of a fear of, you know, anti-Islamic attacks. I just, I haven't heard it. I'm open to the possibility that i don't read everything i don't have the eye of god we have hayek's information problem right here in this guy so um would love to know more about that but you know my my sense is that the governor's refusal to really just announce that we're going to shut this thing down we're and it's because of the violence of these anti-semitic attacks and these pro uh, hamas people um so david um anything did you find anything or do you want to go on and talk about your review well today?
1: no there, there's a lot so we'll, we'll we'll keep going um there's not like this nice clean consolidated list there's a lot of reviews and then unfortunately there's an archived piece from the new york times that goes through it and it references a table that has the list but they don't show the table in mm. this link
0: sorry about that man
1: um that's a good it looks See, like a very impressive study
0: you'd have made a good editor because the reporter who shows up and says i've got the 23rd greatest big city mayor ever ought to be asked by his editor, who is number one and number 22?
1: But it does say, um, as you dig deeper in, and I'm not surprised, the Republican fusionist reformer of New York City from 1934 to 1945,
0: uh, Mayor LaGuardia. Fiorello LaGuardia.
1: Um, But then Boston's great mayor, Josiah Quincy, I'm not familiar with him, and it would be that he was mayor 1823 to 1828 in Boston. Wow. So that 1823... You know, most of the people there were still alive. Like they were from Revolutionary War era, like young, mm-hmm. and now adults. I mean, that's a long time ago. Yeah, we're like Laguardia, thirty-four to forty-five. You were, you were there.
0: I, you know, <laughs> I voted <saying>? for him. <laughs> uh well, this is a really interesting time, also, because again, James Rolfe is a Republican, but when you read through about you, know, when you read his biography, what what really comes through is this is a guy who is really, by today's standards, quite moderate. I mean, like a little of this, a little of that, absolutely, you know, for workers' right to organize, but absolutely against their right to engage mm-hmm. in violent protest, which was the common strategy, the the standard operating procedure back then. So um, interesting fellow and you know
1: what's what uh i'm sorry back to this mayor study thing i mean this thing this thing with the tree you and i are totally on the same page with and and i i actually suspect there's a chance that um gavin has some intelligence that we don't have not he has iq we don't have <laughs> his information we yes. don't have um and maybe the right thing to do and then your point being him not being willing to say it you know the only other thing i guess i'd say is maybe they just can't hmm so explain for uh, PC nonsense. All obvious. Oh, that's exactly yeah. what it is. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, like, you really just can't.
0: Yeah, like it would do more harm than good. So you're not blaming him. I, of, I am because
1: I would. I would. I think we just need to start being honest, calling here. it out. Yeah. Um, now, speaking of which, have uh, as we're recording here, which is Wednesday morning, and I assume this will go up on the podcast later Wednesday. Yesterday, the. Um, Presidents of Harvard, MIT, and Penn appeared on the floor of Congress. Saw this. And this, this—I yeah. uh, can only say that my tweet of the video with my own comments is up to 150,000 views and, and engagements so far this morning. And I just did it late last night. Um, I think Bill Ackman, the hedge funder from Harvard, who got it going, has 28 million views on his. This thing is going viral everywhere. Oh, by the way, um, Everybody Loves Raymond, Patricia mm-hmm. Heaton, she mm-hmm. was one of the ones who retweeted my tweet this Oh morning. my gosh, congratulations. So, um, she, yeah. I, I, she, I've I, always thought she was a delightful person and actress. Um, people have to see it, because we you're, can't talk you're, you're, you're about explain, it. Explain,
0: because it's a congressional hearing, and I'm blanking on her first name. Uh, Lisa, Elise Ste- Stefanik. Ste-
1: Stefanik, uh, Stefanik, excuse me, um, asked them, is... Did, uh, advocating for the genocide of Israel against the harassment um, policies yeah. of, of Harvard.
0: This is considered bullying. And I they think she absolutely asked,
1: yeah. could not answer. They could not answer the question. Would not. One of them, pretty particular, I think they went from MIT to Penn to Harvard. And the Penn one in particular, it was like, how did you get this job? No
0: kidding. Uh, the long pause between question and, and just, then her and, equivocation. And I, and
1: I admit I'm a sucker for this, but I don't apologize for it. I do believe. CEOs who are smart who can talk are better than CEOs who are smart who can't talk and they she couldn't talk no and there has to be some rhetorical giftedness in if nothing else deflection you know some cl- rhetorically right. clever right. deflection yeah. but she just sat there and looked like the damn idiot that she is yeah. that's Absolutely. what she looked like yeah. and and I think that it's important that people watch it not hear about it because you really cannot believe you cannot believe what happened.
0: And Stefanic is not hyperbolic or no. radioactive. She's not a I don't think she's she's assertive, but you she's know what not I aggressive. I was thinking
1: actually. I think she set it up to be performative and I don't care. I think she knew it's, they were going to walk in her trap and they did and she had every right to kind of spring Play it. it out
0: yeah absolutely so uh speaking of being able to uh spin a question uh we uh, talked a, a few of us did i had kevin kiley and lance oh, christensen on a, on friday what
1: uh, a great analogy yeah yeah to what i just said
0: yes these
1: the harvard mit pen presidents are the anti gavin Newsom. that's right
0: because he was he was right. brilliant at this right. we talked about this right. Friday, and I'm sure you know most people agree that how good was he at deflection let's put it this way he got my vote <laughs> <laughs> he's he's just he's yeah well I say what you're going to say well I am I am hopeful that you will give us your own review because listeners have already gotten a chance to hear my sense of what happened and and I'll include a link from somebody we didn't have available to us at the time that was uh, Victor Davis Hanson a little piece you know I just took his uh, Twitter thread um and it, I just titled it something that he said: "Desantis's reality defeats Newsom's fantasy world." Um, but David, what you know, just in short, if you don't mind, what did you make of the debate? Um,
1: I have yet to really find a general review from someone on the center right that isn't uh, so. Uh, essentially, what has formed as a consensus view that isn't my view. So, in that sense, I'm within the consensus. I think uh, DeSantis was right on everything. I think that um, he also carried himself very well. And I think that all of the facts or the vast majority of the facts uh, make this very easy for Ron and very, very hard for Governor, DeSantis- uh, Governor Newsom. Um, and at the same time that I just said the pre- prior three or four things, I would say that Gavin didn't come away the loser because he is just so shameless with the truth. There's just not a single fact he's willing to let get in the way of the, that moment and he I think he was an unapologetic
0: liar yeah I i find let me just read you a couple of quotes three quotes like it was remarkable I hit this gold mine of uh, let's call it center-left defense not just a but just applause for pins of you know hymns of praise to Gavin Newsom in his performance here's uh, Douglas, all of
1: which were written before the
0: debate but, oh they have to be yeah. um, here's Douglas Schoen on the hill uh, at the hill the the news outlet, even without being the Democratic nominee for President, Newsom outlined his party's agenda in a way that Democrats would be wise to follow regardless of who is the party's nominee. He not only held his own against a Republican opponent and a conservative moderate, but his aggressive, impassioned defense of Biden's record and promotion of his own views on hot button issues abortion, immigration, and foreign policy should serve as the bedrock of the Democrats' campaign. Um, then Bill Press, for those of you who don't remember or are not old enough to remember Bill Press' you He's still alive. That's what I said, and I mean that as no defense. He the was m- on ABC in 81. Yes. And what and decade is it right now?
1: It is. <laughs> no, I'm not joking. He was 50 yes. when I was in first grade.
0: Yes. I, I, I don't know if he's writing his own stuff because when I met him in my very late 20s he was in his late 50s I think oh so. then that means he's 133 he's, yes exactly so he's, he's fine signage or older. I believe he's got to be close to 90 and he, you know, he he was a big big um, oh my gosh I'm suddenly blanking but he was a big radio host down here in LA was he on um, KDOC for a bit after ABC did it he, might have been did he go to he was on public television. He's on KDOC or KCT, yeah. He was considered sort of a national go-to guy of the California left, or but at least I mean, but
1: he was a Southern California yes. guy mm-hmm. that had a national thing, right? Yeah.
0: Bill um, press. you know sort of like Hugh Hewitt pre uh, uh, precociously uh, gray, uh, prematurely gray, sorry. but but Bill, but Hugh Hewitt, I think, has a really good
1: cadence and is a pleasant radio voice. Yes. I always thought Bill press, apart from what he was saying, which was obnoxiously progressive, even in the 80s. Yes. but um, you what, like 10 years old when I you were was, listening to him. I was obsessed. Wow, you really were. I was very, I was very, I was really, I was far more into politics yeah. when I was seven than I am now. <laughs> I had, barely care about any of this crap you anymore. You had hope. <laughs> yeah, the hope uh, is dying. I died, didn't have any money it. back then. It was a whole different uh, world. Well, here's, is, uh, Bill Press has got to be 100. I'm looking at
0: Here's that. what Bill Press said. Uh, he writes in The Hill. Newsom, who had clearly done his homework, never faltered. With a dizzying machine gun fusillade of facts, he rebutted every attack, defended his record in California, and demolished DeSantis's record in Florida. Florida. Newsom, in fact, seemed to know more about Florida's problems with education, health care, and crime than DeSantis himself. Heading into 2024, Democrats should follow the lead of Coach Gavin Newsom. That's from Bill Press. Uh, 84. That's it? Oh my gosh, yeah. I, am, I am surprised. I, I sincerely would have suspected mid-90s. Where is
1: Inverness, California?
0: Uh, that is a good question. I'm going to get shellacked from our listeners. Inverness, I know it. I also know that it's in Scotland, eh? I think it appears in Macbeth. Um, sorry, I don't know that. Okay, last one from the Hill. Julia Mueller, uh, the headline kind of tells you, Newsom cements place as star for the Democrats. Uh, Newsom has become a standout surrogate for Biden as he steps further into the national spotlight, fending off concerns about the president's age and touting the administration's accomplishments. His recent debate places him squarely in the public eye as a leading Democratic figure. Um, so, you know, I, the, one of the reasons I bring this up, David, is that it, 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 it does occur to me that this was a Rorschach test, that if you went into this thing liking Gavin Newsom or liking Biden, that you came out of this thinking, well, Hannity stacked the deck against Newsom. Yes, by using facts, um, or that DeSantis came across as pugnacious and uncontrollable and angry. Um, you know, you're a, you're a lefty liberal. Um, and, and likewise, I know that when I say the facts were cited, those are the facts that I think are important. Things like the state's budget deficit, the fact that we have homelessness and high taxes and our gas prices are out of control. and that Newsom has no explanation.
1: I think that if we were going to sit here and start quoting some of the big, uh, like, let's say, Team DeSantis people or, or like a right wing media in Florida, then, you know, we would not be necessarily presenting kind of objective. Like you are supposed to. They literally call it the spin room um that's what like what what the left-wing media is doing in the aftermath of the debate is what they're supposed to do when i was referring to the consensus i was talking about what center-right people were saying about gavin that he didn't hurt himself because of his command of the um untruth in other words his ability to effectively lie is pretty is pretty impressive and 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 the word the biggest indictment against him is the facts the raw data and uh Kevin's used a lot of this and and it's all out there in the universe uh, but if you just make up your own alternative facts um it's what are you gonna do I mean i I think that that Gavin did a good job at being a liar so my I'm not I'm not, I don't I don't consider that a compliment like yeah, it's bad. Well he's
0: he's dealt himself a weak hand. I mean that's his fault. And it then is. he does the best he can not to answer questions by saying I will answer them and then not answering them or by saying I will uh I'll meet your You know your your bid uh, with facts, and I'll I'll raise you with plans or ideas or themes. Like you know, the transgender issue became very prominent for him, and he was accusing Ron DeSantis, of course, of being anti-trans. And all all Ron DeSantis was saying was what I would say, I know what you would say too, David, and that is, look, this isn't you know the issue with trans children in California isn't anti-trans; it's pro-parent. That parents have a right here, and DeSantis was simply calling out Newsom for. Signing a bill that allows the state to engage in state-sanctioned kidnapping of trans kids, quote-unquote trans kids, from other states. Like, that just strikes me as, that's a fact. And you can say, as Newsom tried, uh, well, you got to have compassion for these kids. They just want to survive. That's going to be the best he's got. Hey, um... Speaking of uh, DeSantis and Newsom and presidential races, interesting column by Joe Matthews. We've talked about Joe before. He's a funny, funny dude. Um, He's got a piece in the Mercury News called uh, Come Home, Kamala Harris and Run for Governor. The theme is, is that she's she's being blamed. He says not for her own fault, but because Biden has given her a bunch of lousy issues. We've heard that defense before. Poor Kamala. She's so much better than this. But Biden won't give her real issues. Which is why he sends her off to Dubai for the International Climate Conference or to, you know, talk about foreign policy in Ukraine. Um, yeah, she's just not getting the really big issues. Um, but he says, uh, Joe Matthews does, you're politically trapped. You're the unpopular vice president of an unpopular president. And as a team, the two of you are headed to a catastrophic election defeat, even though your likely opponent is an insurrectionist ex-president facing multiple criminal indictments. Two thirds of Democrats want your boss, Joe Biden, not to run for re-election, But everyone knows he will run anyway. Um, blah, blah, etc. cetera. You, you should be blunt. You should leave the ticket. And here's what you say, Joe Matthew says, and he, this is what he is writing for Kamala. This country will sustain irreparable damage if Donald Trump should become president again, and I don't want to do anything that might help him do that. The polls show I'm unpopular with the public, and the president already has an uphill fight, so I have informed the president I will not run for vice president. Now he can pick a new running mate and reset his campaign uh this will make you look selfish Matthews writes you're giving up a high office because you want to protect the America uh, protect America you'll win extensive praise from Democrats desperate for a stronger ticket and who knows you might even pressure Biden to reconsider his own decision to run mm-hmm.
1: well I've long thought that that's one of the exit paths for Kamala is to um, see the governor of California as a better spot than um, a potential losing VP situation. Um, I don't think that they're that, like, if this ends up happening the way I have predicted before, it will not be because someone talked to them into it. It'll be because I it turned out I was right accidentally about it all having been planned to begin with. No one's going to talk Kamala into this. She either has already agreed to it, Biden's already kind of planned out where he's headed, or they haven't. Um, I agree with everything Matthew says, and I think it would be a great plan for Kamala, let alone for the Democrat Party. However, in general, the pitch of it's better for the people if I step down, not to some fifth place candidate, like like if uh, Chris Christie were to back out of the race, he goes, look, I got to get out to help clear the field to try to beat Donald Trump. I'm saying to someone in the position, mm-hmm. that idea that, that has ever happened in history, I will step down because it's best for my party because I'm going to lose. Tell me someone who's done it. Humphrey. Humphrey didn't do it. Humphrey uh, didn't I'm, do sorry, it. I'm sorry. I'm no, no, sorry. Johnson. Johnson. Didn't do it. Lyndon Johnson. Lyndon Johnson did not step down because he was going to lose and was making it. But Hubert Humphrey lost by more than Lyndon Johnson was yeah. going to lose by.
0: Yeah. Lyndon Johnson didn't want to do it. And, yeah. and I'm sorry. I meant Johnson. Johnson you does know, say Johnson does did he it say? for
1: Humphrey. So he said, "Okay, I'm going to step down. Mm-hmm. I'm at the right time." But Lyndon Johnson was tired of dealing with it, and he was on the other side of his party. He didn't like the hippies, and the 1968 mm-hmm. radicals were out of control, and LBJ mm-hmm. didn't like. Him. And I don't really think he much liked his signature achievement, which was the Civil, Civil Rights, Rights Act Civil Rights Act, yeah.
0: Well, remember what he said as he signs I, some it. Some of the words we're not allowed to say. <laughs> I think the, the, the key paraphrase would be, I've just handed over the South to the Republican Party. That's exactly what he
1: said. And he was right in, in, for many, many years. Mm-hmm. Now, all I'm trying to get to is this idea that like kamala would genuinely be m- motivated by what's best for the country the pitch here if you're private if you're in her circle the way like we talk we're not on air like we could talk like come on this and this mm. but it's not going to be the public thing mm-hmm. kamala it's got to be money and fame that's right and comfort and convenience mm-hmm. it's come be governor you don't have to do much you can't lose in the state you got the super legislator you got everything you need uh, every now and then you kind of bat down like a really crazy thing from scott Weiner, but other than that <laughs> you you have everyone in the palm of your hands and then and then the obamas will fly around on their plane and all this stuff that's it that's if kamala ever were to do it that would be the reason um and then yeah the idea like kamala will say you know i don't think I, i'm good at this i'm gonna step down hey joe i'm gonna do it and joe's like you know what kamala now that i've seen you
0: do it i'm gonna do it mm. it's, come on stupid well, but I think what you're saying is is that if you could persuade her that this is money and fame in the offing, you have a chance. You, you have another life. And you don't need That's what Joe Matthews is saying. So privately, you have the dirty Joe Matthews is not going to be making that case. It's going to be uh, Michelle Obama or nobody. Mm. No, I, I agree with you. But all Joe is saying is like, hey, spin it this way. It's not I want to spend more time with my family. But he also it's, says
1: come back to California a future away from D.C. where they'll give you a fair shake. Yeah. Well, they'll never, in D.C., you you're not getting a fair shake, like this whole thing, like she's a victim. Right. Oh, but You I, know what was not a fair shake, Joe Matthews? What was that? Kamala getting the job to begin yes. with. Yes. Where the person who hired her did a national press conference to say, I'm going to do an affirmative action pity hire. hmm He announced it. Right. I, I have looked at my three candidates of black women, and she's the least bad of all of them. That's what he said. Yes, well, he did. I'm a, uh, give me
0: a break. Yeah, um, so let's let's get back a little bit of the debate. We, you know, I mentioned. Uh, I think we agree that Newsom had almost no no facts available to him to defend, and the facts just got worse. Uh, again, Ashley Zavala at uh, KCRA. The headline for her story is California could have a fifty-eight billion dollar budget shortfall. The Legislative analyst Office says. In a brief blog post, she writes updated. Outlook for personal, corporate, and sales tax receipts, the LAO noted delayed tax payments come in much weaker than state leaders anticipate, resulting in a potential budget hole of about $58 billion over the next three years. Uh, The update marks a tough start in what is already expected to be a long and challenging process of determining how the state should spend its money this upcoming year. Well, um, and remember, too, Will, it's not a recession. No, not a recession. I mean, this stuff gets so much worse than a
1: recession. And now, now, I would argue, if I were them, that 22 was a mini-recession for California purposes in the sense of Silicon Valley did get hit, and and that is a high leverage point, a pain point for California. But my point is that whatever is going on right now, we're not talking about um, uh, uh, a significant recession or or a even mild national recession. Um, I wish I've been screaming from the hilltops as long as I can remember. I wish people understood. And this is the way I feel about the shamefulness of Trump's fiscal management. Peace. I don't agree with running up huge deficits in times of economic contraction because that Keynesian argument, I think, comes at a cost that I'm not willing to pay. But that is an argument that's existed very credibly in American economic and academ- academic life for, for 80 years, not in normal times. This is the shame of what's happening right now. We're not even facing a, a stress test. So um, the fact that we could run up these kind of deficits and shortfalls in a period like this is utterly embarrassing.
0: Well there there's so many revelations here. I want to go right to uh, Democratic State Senate Pro Tem Tony Atkins. She's from uh, San Diego County. She says of this this bad news, here's the spin. While this latest update to the revenue forecast is not welcome news, California is more prepared than ever to withstand budget challenges and our economy overall is stronger than projected. We will have a clearer picture of our situation as we approach the budget deadline next June. But with our record reserves and other budgeting tools, we along with our partners in the assembly and the administration will work through these challenges while protecting middle-class taxpayers and our progress on core programs that help all Californians. So uh, just total spin here, and I just want to point that out. A clearer picture, she says, we'll have in June. California has not filed its constitutionally required financial statements for nearly two years. I have this from uh, our man, John Morlocks, former state senator, now uh, the public finance expert at uh, CPC. Uh, Two years. We don't have financials. So we're going to have a clearer picture, but we don't have our financials filed for the public to take a look. Um, And then she points out to record reserves of $37 billion. That's about a month, one month of California's budget. Today under Newsom because Newsom has doubled state spending in his tenure as governor. So we have reserves. We have thirty-seven billion dollars in reserves, but we and have we used to have four billion. We used to have four. Uh, then Newsom declared a budget. It's just sur- important to point out that they're bragging about something they didn't want to do. That's exactly. They hated it, and they have wanted to break into this. Like when thing. Biden
1: said, like we brought the deficit down um from from like t- three three two and a half trillion to two trillion yeah uh, but he tried to put it to five trillion yeah and then mansion said no and then he's like see we did it
0: we did it it's yeah. such a weird thing it is a my weird my wife
1: thing. would never let me get away with that i've, <laughs> I've tried <laughs> is she a finance whiz no oh my god oh no i'm saying
0: with anything else oh i'm
1: trying to take credit for something that was, that it, was wasn't, idea. Yeah, yeah yeah
0: oh my gosh you're married yeah i get that um Honey, if you're listening, I'm just joking, please.
1: That's funny to um, say
0: if you're listening. I can say whatever I want right now, and I assure you I got <laughs> nothing to worry about. <laughs> <laughs> ah, and then uh, tony atkins says uh, you know we're going to protect middle-class taxpayers i just want to segue to our next story and that's on uh, income-based utility bills david we've talked about this multiple times in the show before uh republicans of the state house are now this week begging gavin Newsom to join them in killing the 2022 assembly bill that requires utilities to quote simplify the power bills While reducing the cost for low income residents. So simplicity is we're going to charge you based on your income. And therefore that'll do two things. It'll make it really simple for us to charge you a set fee. So what are those set fees? If you have a household income of 28,000 to 69,000, you're going to pay 34 bucks a month. Above that to 183, I'm sorry, 180 thousand dollars, you're going to pay 73 a month, and then household incomes 180 and above, you're going to pay 128 per month. Um, so they've got this set by income standards. There's going to be a new state agency that will manage knowing how much money you have and therefore what you pay for access to the grid. Um, all of this, um, you know, the Democrats snuck this bill into a, what's called a trailer bill. That is, you know, like last hour, everybody is lo- loading up a bill with every one of their favorite projects so that before the, the you know, the clock strikes midnight, uh, they can get this thing onto the governor's desk. And way too voluminous for anybody to read. It was in there anyway. The new law authorizes the Public Utilities Commission to restructure the rates by imposing this fixed charge on income. Uh, Baseline assessment will be based on analysis by this new state agency. There is no other state, David in the United States of America that does things this way. Leave it to California. Yeah, I only wish that Ron DeSantis had had a moment to talk about this because it's just so outrageous. And to give you an idea of how the public feels, uh, I found this wonderful piece at a town hall meeting in San Diego County. Supervisor Jim Desmond, that's San Diego County Supervisor Jim Desmond, uh, told the, uti- the utility at the, this big town hall meeting that this proposal is really, really going to hurt our middle class and our working folks here in San Diego County with the Super rich, it'll have little impact. San Diego County is already struggling with increases in prices on everything due to rising inflation. There's no indication prices are going down. Nobody should be making payments based on a commodity we all use based on income. Uh, So Republican uh, lawmakers have written a letter to Newsom saying, please, please, please join us. Uh, They predict energy spikes, uh, cost spikes for all users, uh, that uh, nobody has really studied this proposal at all because, again, it was in a trailer bill, so it was never debated. And uh, the Republicans say that they've got Democrats, about 26 Democrats. Now, this is truly bipartisan. They've got about 26 Democrats joining the Republican caucus, and they're begging uh, in a letter that I'll put in the show notes, begging Gavin Newsom to kill this crazy proposal. David, income-based utility bills?
1: Uh, No, it's crazy. It's crazy for all the reasons that you've said. It's been um, adjudicated other places. Uh, It is essentially a tax, a highly graduated tax, uh, all the wrong incentives, all the wrong implementation, um, and it's going
0: nowhere. This is a message from our friends at American Habits from the State Policy Network. We the people do you ever think about what that means and what happened to it? We the people certainly did not mean an imperial city full of unelected bureaucrats deciding everything from kindergarten curricula to nursing home funding formulas. We the people mean self-government, a free people deciding most things in their families and communities and delegating some authority to their towns and states while passing along just a small amount of that power to the national government. How did things get so upside down? At American Habits, we tell stories of real people with real solutions, all working to restore federalism and self-government. If you're a public official, come get involved. If you're a citizen, come and see the new standard for American leadership. No matter who you are, come help us renew the forgotten but not lost habit of American self-government. Visit AmericanHabits.org to learn more. That's American Habits. Org. Meanwhile, back in uh, L.A., we've got L.A. Magazine reporting, quote, Mayor Karen Bass's $67 million homeless program has only housed 255 people so far. That's $67 million to house 255 people. For how long? uh this is a question that is not answered in the story david and that is such a good question you'll remember when we talked about the santa monica freeway burning down that i went back just a little bit into the reporting and found that a year before two years before gavin newsom had cleaned i think it was a year before gavin newsom had participated in this theatrical cleanup with karen bass of precisely the encampment where the fire started uh, under the Santa Monica yeah, Freeway, right, right. it was cleaned up, and they all moved back in. Um, she says uh, Bass does that. She is not satisfied with these numbers, which is nice. It's comforting to know that she's not satisfied. I did the math here, David. So and you she can wants check to it
1: spend out. more money for two hundred fifty-five people, or more. <laughs> <than> the- <laughs> <laughs> what, which part
0: of that equation? I think she's just satisfied with numbers, not did, the I numbers. I do
1: a math for you uh, with my kind of rain man mind here. That's $262,745.09. I came up with the same number, but it took me two days. Per person. And I don't think uh, in Newport Beach you can buy a townhome with that amount of money. But I think there are places all over California where you could buy a, a townhome yeah. in cash. Mm-hmm. So for that amount of money, we don't need to uh, house them, which I guess has been for a year. Mm. And the truth is, I'm guessing it's days. Gonna be less than a year. Yeah. Some cases days. But we could have bought them permanent housing, fully paid for cash, uh, at 263000 bucks a pop for that amount of money yeah those those data points are always fascinating. Remember when we figured out that uh Stanford has more uh uh people on payroll than they do students? Yes, and um the, the great society, the toll now over all the years sp- spent on anti-poverty programs has been enough to like make every poor person a millionaire yeah. so, so you know these things it's just math, but it is true it, it speaks of misallocation of capital
0: yeah. Hey, um, I want to talk just a little bit about issues more or less related to identity politics, and particularly perhaps um, the, the the crisis right now between you know Israel and Hamas. Um, and this will take us back for just a second to Kamala Harris, who, you know, goes out to this big uh, climate meeting. Um, you know, again, we got Joe Matthews and other Kamala defenders saying, oh, poor Kamala Harris, she's never given anything really important because she's a black woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, Biden dispatches her. Biden canceled his trip to this thing for a whole bunch of reasons. By the way, she's
1: in. gone now. But in the first two years, a lot of the stuff that he was not giving to Kamala, he was giving to Anita Hill, who was the Obama's choice as domestic policy advisor. Anita Hill. Not Anita Hill. Anita Dunn. There you go. No, Anita Hill.
0: No, Anita Hill was the uh, person Clarence who Thomas Clarence person. Thomas person. Yeah, I, I'm blanking on the name.
1: I'm sorry, Susan Rice. Mm. Anita Dunn is also in the Biden administration. It was a former Ob- Obama <clears throat> person, and she's an older white woman. But I was referring to Susan Rice, mm-hmm. who the Obama's pressured the Bidens to hire as a domestic policy advisor. He was giving all kinds of stuff that could have been and would have been in the vp's portfolio to susan rice because they were not giving this to Kamala. she's a black woman well who to give it to uh, black a black black woman I mean, come on. Yeah. Just stop it.
0: So Kamala goes out to this thing, standing in for the President of the United States of America, and uh, she immediately starts to bang on Israel. Uh, here's the, a story from uh, the editors, uh, their, their column at the uh, National Review. Kamala Harris's performative scolding of Israel is the title. Uh, in remarks in the United Arab Emirates after meetings with leaders of the UAE, Jordan, Egypt, and the Hamas sponsoring Iranian ally. Qatar. Harris delivered a version of the same message. It was rooted in the same failed Obama-era strategy of trying to show daylight with Israel in the groundless hope that it'll earn more trust in the Arab world. She reiterated the administration's, quote, steadfast conviction that, quote, Israel has a right to defend itself, but then added this. Too many innocent Palestinians have been killed. Frankly, the scale of civilian suffering and the images and videos coming from Gaza are devastating. She put the uh, onus for fixing that on Israel. She did not say, in other words, hey, you know what? Um, How about Hamas simply lays down their arms and stops using human shields and surrenders? Then no war is necessary to locate Hamas. She doesn't say that. She blames Israel for going into Gaza to chase Hamas following October 7th. The lack of moral clarity. So, um, this is a kind of thing uh, that is metastasizing this sort of conversation that's why we can't have a christmas tree public a uh, public christmas tree lighting with the governor uh cnn reports university of california professors push back they love that phrase push back mm-hmm. on uc president's call for quote viewpoint neutral history of middle east uh, first of all viewpoint neutral not possible no. i'm so sorry uh i just want to say so to that extent i agree with the university of california professors who say viewpoint neutral history viewpoint
1: the neutrality is a wonderful uh weapon as a means of uh not having to argue by claiming your opponent is biased and you are not and it's a, a tactic It is not a philosophy. Right. Viewpoint neutrality is one of the great lies ever perpetrated.
0: Well, that's why this is interesting, David, because it's the president of the UC, a guy named Michael Drake, who used to be right here. I can look over your right shoulder. He was at UC Irvine as the chancellor there while I was a grad student. Um, Michael Drake is now the president of the entire UC system. And he put out, you know, he sort of declared, like, look, man, you professors, you got to step down on this anti Semitism. That's erupting on the campuses and you've got to go for what he calls a viewpoint neutral history of the Middle East. So you and I might say, yay, it's time to stop the anti-Semitism. In fact, we would. Uh, But we would not say that what we need to replace this anti-Semitism with is something called viewpoint neutrality. I'm not for viewpoint neutrality because first of all, it doesn't exist. Not this side of glory. Uh, human beings are not objective. We can be fair, to use the Fox phrase. We can be fair. We can be balanced. We can be moderate. We can try for a kind of neutrality. But as soon as we start talking about humans, we are talking about selecting out some information rather than other information.
1: Well, Go. also, um, even apart from the uh, selection of facts, the point is, he said, viewpoint neutrality. So, it's about perspective. So, if I go, hey, I really finally, I'm glad you guys have a viewpoint neutral standpoint because my viewpoint is never getting any light of day, Mm -hmm. and and I'm glad to know that it's going to be neutrally considered. Uh, Well, what's your viewpoint? Oh, I don't think the Middle East exists. Yeah. I don't think there is such things. And I think it's all conspiracy. People lie. Or I think um, the Middle East was originally settled by aliens.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, no, we're not for that. Excuse me. Could you please be neutral
0: yeah exactly so so
1: like we use extreme example make the point on the fringes uh we don't really believe neutrality exists and so then you get into something that let's say is less fringy and by that i kind of for simple purposes will just say something that a whole lot of people believe yeah okay a whole lot of people believe something here and a whole lot of people and one is wrong and one's right but at least there's like a, a mathematical rationale Even then, this idea that we're supposed to believe that someone's presenting it devoid of their own ideological commitments is asking a human not to be a human.
0: Right. Yeah, for the moment you select as a specialty that you're going to focus on the Middle East, you've made a decision which is subjective. Why that place? Why not another place? And then you say, well, I'm going to focus really on the history of the Palestine. Why the Palestine? I just love
1: how it's all done about money. Yes. It's all like, yes. We want want to combat extremism and have a viewpoint neutral history. We want to better understand anti Semitism. Okay, well, I cannot understand it. Let's start with the Holocaust. Yeah. Um, We want to better understand Islamophobia. I don't. I, I mean, that that's thing.
0: outrageous to me. Outrageous. That's the part that really bothers me. Is that again, Drake? You know, a guy who is, I think, trying to kind of muddle his way through to do the right thing to stomp down on anti-Semitism says in the letter uh, that he's going to offer seven million dollars, which will be used to quote develop educational programs at each UC campus focused on better understanding anti-Semitism and Islamophobia. And then I another
1: wanna- another two million for training leadership and staff and faculty. Let me tell you something, please, for the love of God save that money. Yeah, don't train your leadership staff or faculty any of this. Just put the money in the bank and send everybody home. Okay, you don't need to be. What is? What is that? Where's the money going to? Yeah, bonuses, conferences,
0: conferences, seminars, conferences. So workshops. Just,
1: they go drink in hotels. That's right. That's what it is.
0: Yes. Th- so David, so there's enough here to just really find Drake Chancellor. I'm sorry, President Michael Drake really gradingly just yeah, bad. A lot of people thought you were talking about the rap, hip-hop Drake. star. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I wish. Um, but in in all honesty, the, the 150 professors, I did not check out who these people are. I didn't go find the list. I'd love to know who these guys are, but they are historians that of- The appeasing
1: of opinionated donors.
0: Yes. Ah, you,
1: you silly Zionist. Yes. You, you opinionated donor. What's your opinion, donor? Right. Uh, I don't want all the Jews wiped off of Earth. Oh, that's, a, that's a- Colonial?
0: artifact that's a big opinion yeah Uh, but they they say we insist these professors UC professors say we insist the professional historians and those in allied fields trained in the study of the Middle East are best positioned to determine the curriculum safeguard rigorous standards of research and teaching and protect the climate of open discussion and critical inquiry yeah sure we've seen the campuses we know what you guys are teaching and we've seen the result in student demonstrations where kids are feeling attacked so David I just did a quick survey uh about but their know, letter so- is really honest like they basically
1: say drake you're saying some things that might sound good but listen next thing you know people are going to have different opinions on climate change right. racial history yes uh, um mass atrocity so it this is this is exclusive this is explicitly agendized um and and they're saying so
0: yes Yeah, David, it is a shockingly bald-faced letter. They just let you know what they believe. And part of what they believe is that they are the best position to safeguard critical inquiry and open discussion. And so I just had a quick survey of recent stories at Berkeley. UC Berkeley, Jewish groups are suing over policies enacted by at least 23 Berkeley law student groups that exclude students from joining or bar guest speakers from presenting if they don't agree to disavow Israel or if they identify as pro-Zionist. Erwin Chemerinsky defended the law school in that instance, and then he turns around a few days ago and writes a piece in the LA Times that is a blistering attack on anti-Semitism at Berkeley. So on the one hand, he's saying like, whoa, 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 the students are allowed to do whatever they want. One, it's free speech and then he says he has experienced a lifetime of subtle and not so subtle anti-semitism growing up but quote None of this prepared me for the last few weeks. On Friday, she's speaking about a Friday ago. Someone in my school posted on Instagram a picture of me with the caption Erwin Chemerinsky has taken an indefinite sabbatical from Berkeley Law to join the IDF. That's the Israeli Defense uh, Force. Two weeks ago at a town hall, a student told me that what would make her feel safe in the law school would be to, quote, get rid of the Zionists. I've heard several times, Chemerinsky writes, that I have been called, quote, part of a Zionist conspiracy, which echoes anti-Semitic tropes that have been expressed for centuries. I've heard few campus administrators speak out publicly about the anti-Semitism that has become prevalent this month. They want to seem neutral or to not be perceived as Islamophobic. I understand. I, too, refrain from speaking out against those who defended Hamas's attack. That's Erwin Chemerinsky, head of the uh, Berkeley Law School, a very progressive left-wing guy. We've talked about him on the show before. At UCLA, David, again, I'm talking here about how have these professors so far governed the co- safeguarded open discussion and, you know, a safe climate campus. At UCLA, 300 professors write, we were horrified to see pro-Palestinian rallies on campus in which the massacres by Hamas were celebrated, including explicit calls for violence, including chanting Intifada, ...or in event advertisements featuring images of weapons and violence, such celebrations create an atmosphere of fear. One cannot imagine that UCLA will allow for celebrations of the killing of George Floyd or for celebrations of the Armenian Genocide or celebrating the 9-11 attacks. It's inconceivable, the professors at UCLA write... Why these celebrations are not denounced by the UCLA leadership, regardless of political view. The atmosphere on our campus results in Jewish students, staff, and faculty who are afraid to be on campus and show solidarity with Israel or practice their freedom of religion. In Riverside, multiple incidents of vandalism. In Santa Cruz, a group of students reportedly—and this is in May— David, this is not like since October seventh. Right. This is in May. Yeah, a group of students reportedly gathered. And that's to cele- the
1: important part. It shows how much things were percolating well before.
0: Already, yeah. I know. I I thought you know I should really be going back farther because there are stories from 2015, 2006, six, two thousand twelve. But this is in May. A group of students at Santa Cruz reportedly gathered to celebrate Adolf Hitler's birthday. Reportedly, saying "Happy birthday" and ate cakes decorated with hateful symbols a second reported incident and you know
1: that that's purely because of of racism and anti-semitism because they're just doing it to make a point because no one would just go celebrate some dead guy's birthday (laughs) they're just doing it to try to like you know what i mean yeah hitler's birthday come on (laughs) like even if hitler wasn't a like a jew hating genocidal maniac it was just some other guy from the 40s yeah happy birthday count (laughs) pacey yeah yeah (laughs) Like, like, I love Friedrich Hayek, right? Yeah. But I don't celebrate his birthday. That's right.
0: Um, oh, my gosh. Um, there is so much going on here, David, and I know we've got to uh, wrap up, but I just want to ask you for one new last bit. Um, I is for Intifada. That's the Oakland Teachers Union uh, proposing a new reading instruction class for mm-hmm. kids uh, quite young. Yeah. Um, And again, the teachers say they ought to, uh, the district is pushing back, because the teachers union wants to preach pro-Palestinian, pro-Hamas stuff. The district is pushing back and saying, just like Michael Drake, no, 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 you're supposed to teach people to think critically, uh, not what to believe. No, no, that's not true at all, David. Teachers are supposed to think something. That's in California Education Code 233.5. Quote, each teacher shall endeavor to impress upon the minds of the pupils the principles of morality, truth, justice, patriotism, and a true comprehension of the rights, duties, and dignity of Americans citizenship like that's in the law that's what the schools are for They're but if your job you if,
1: if what they want to do is radicalize these kids uh and give them some pro hamas uh pro jihadi pro uh plo pro al-qaeda sympathies early um th- then you know they have a lot of catching up to do with iran mm. and 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 with uh the Taliban. And they started pretty young there. Yeah. So Oakland may just feel like they're, have a, they're at a deficit. But this issue, just I got to go real quickly, Will. You're exactly right. You are supposed to teach something. What you're not supposed to do is pretend you're teaching nothing. But they don't believe they're teaching nothing. They're, they, it, it is a tactic for the purpose of complete and total indoctrination. And this was the legacy of Dewey. I hate to say it, I'm not one of these weird judgy people about those who have their kid in public school, but this is what you sign up for mm-hmm. when you put your kids in public school. Yes. You don't sign up to not get what David believes, you sign up to get what Tom, what Dewey believes while they pretend it's neutral. That's right. While they pretend it's, it's neutral. neutral. That's, That's right. the problem.
0: Yes. Alright, well that's all we have today. Thanks for spending time with us. You can always find the Radio Free California podcast on the National Review website, but it would be easier for you and better for us if you just subscribe and of course rate and review the show. We're going to start reading the, the, the ratings and reviews. That's They really are quite fun. Uh, those reviews, by the way, boost our profile and that helps others find and join this little band of brothers and sisters. You can email us with your comments and story suggestions as so many of you did this week. Thank you. Uh, anonymous listeners, I don't have your permission to uh, promote you, but thank you. Uh, on behalf of my friend and co-host David. Bonson. we give thanks as ever to our session producers that's Lucas Klaus, Brian Tong who's right over here at my right hand and Glenn Hall to the and also uh, National Review producer Sarah Shooty. Thanks also to Metalachi that's the LA based mariachi metal band for our music La Revolución Continúa la semana próxima. <music>